Jesus message this morning. Father God, thank you so much that you've given us Jesus. Thank you that you have given us him, not just as an example, but as our propitiation, the one who took all of your anger and absorbed it for our sakes. Lord, he uh, paid the penalty for our sins. He is our mediator. He's our redeemer. He is the ransom payment for our sins. Father, thank you for Jesus. May we worship him and engage uh, with uh, what we'll be talking about this morning with our minds. And Father, as we uh, choose to believe truth, will you take it and change our hearts with it? Make our hearts willing and eager for more of you and less of ourselves. I pray this all for the glory of Jesus Christ in his name. Amen. All right. Um, Since this was kind of last minute that I was going to be teaching this morning, what I've done is I'm I'm going to be teaching you um, kind of a message that I taught the men during a men's breakfast about three years ago. And so here's the title uh, of our lesson this morning. It's how to make the most of your Sunday. How to make the most of your Sunday. I want want to give you guys some practical applications about taking advantage to the fullest of Sunday mornings and uh, the rest of Sundays as well as we we spend time with each other here at the church, as we go from here, as we are thinking and meditating on what we've learned throughout the rest of the day and the week. So uh, how to make the most of your Sunday. And so I've actually went, went back and made a few more additions last night as I was thinking through some things. Uh, So here we go. Uh, I want to ask this question as we start out. as kind of an introductory question. How do you view Sunday? How do you view it? What is Sunday to you? This is a rhetorical question, so just meditate on this question. How do you view Sunday? Is it it like going to work on Monday, kind of just another responsibility in your week? Is that what Sunday is? Is it a hindrance because it takes so much time and and so much energy to get the family dressed and out the door and to church on time? I mean, that's a that's a pretty weighty task. You know, we got some big families in our church too. You know, to get everybody out the door and get to church, it can be extremely stressful. Is it is it a hindrance to you? Is it in, enjoyable simply because you get to socialize? Is that why you enjoy Sundays? If you enjoy Sundays, or is it something more? Or is it something more? Now, Sundays should be this. Sundays should be uh, the culmination of a week of worship. A, the culmination of a week of worship. You've spent the entire week previous worshiping God with your lives as a lifestyle. Whether you're going to work, whether you're at home with your family, whether you're in the car and people are cutting you off on the freeway, are you worshiping Jesus throughout the week, and you get to Sunday, and it's like the culmination of a week of worship, and then preparation for the next week of worship, the week that is coming when you start uh, today, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is it preparation for you to continue the worship throughout the week? The uh, Puritans called Sunday morning, or Sundays, the market day for the soul like that, the market day for the soul, because it was for them a day of stocking up spiritually for the week ahead. Not so, not to say that, uh, you know, it's their like 
spiritual injection for the week. Like that's all they need in terms of meeting with God is just Sunday morning. No, it was rather uh, a time for them to be spiritually nourished to help them to continue to worship throughout the week as the week went by and all their duties and their tasks started to pile up. So Sunday morning is important. We are gathering corporately. Uh, you know, I know throughout the week you're going to gather with uh, other Christians. You know, maybe it's your, your, just your family you're gathering with, and those are Christians. You meet with other women or men for Bible study, and so you're meeting with segments of the body of Christ. But we hear all ages and all uh, degrees of spiritual growth. We're meeting here on a Sunday morning, and we're going to learn together. We're going to pray together. We're going to worship and sing, and we're going to fellowship together. Do you do that any other time during the week? It's a special time. It should be set apart in our minds. It should be important in our minds. Therefore, we need to do everything we can to make sure that we get all we can from what many people have considered the best day of the week. So um, let me me say this. Uh, I find it interesting, as we're thinking about Sunday, I find it interesting that we do a lot in terms of preparation and uh, in terms of planning to maximize our Saturdays, right? Because Saturdays are the, are the days, uh, generally speaking, when we don't have to go to work and we don't have those uh, regimented responsibilities. So we, we tend to think, Saturday, okay, I'm going to maximize my Saturday for my enjoyment. But when it comes to Sunday, we infrequently do the same. So, as we're thinking about church, and we're thinking about going to church and planning for church and preparing for church on Sunday, ask yourself, first of all, um, how important is it to me? Because really, um, when you think about it, a lot of us have missed church for reasons we would never miss work for or school for in the past. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we, if we think about that, we've missed church for reasons we would never miss work or school for. And so it tends not to be sometimes as important as it should be. Now, there's only one Sunday a week. And Ephesians 5.16 commands us to make the most of the time. Why? Because the days are what? Because the days are evil. So we need to take advantage of Sundays. Um, and we're, gonna, we're going out into a week, starting tomorrow, that's filled with temptation and opposition from the world, opposition from Satan, opposition from your own flesh. And Sunday should be a huge weapon to use in fighting sin and choosing to honor God by our faithfulness. So here's some practical tips. I'm going to ask some questions of you guys as well. But practical tips uh, for... Reclaiming Sundays, rescuing Sundays, all right, in terms of their importance. So, number one, we're going to have big points and sub points, all right? Number one is a good Sunday starts on Saturday night. A good Sunday starts on Saturday night. Okay, so what do you think? What are some things we can be doing on Saturday night to make the most out of our Sunday mornings? Any ideas? Okay, how would, you, how would we do that? There you go. Laying out the clothes and getting everything ready to go so you wake up and it's real easy, or easier, to move to the car. Okay? 
So you're exactly right. You know, that we, we practice that in my home, too. We get all our clothes laid out so um, it can be as stress-free as possible when we're getting to the car. Because here's what happens, you know, we get into the car and we come to church on Sundays and if, if it's a stressful house full of people running around, oh, I didn't know this wasn't clean, oh yeah, I, I forgot about this, where's my other shoe kind of thing, and everyone's bouncing back and forth and running into each other, you get in the car and, and you come into church, you enter into the sanctuary, and right at that moment, everyone stops screaming at each other, <laughs> you know, and there's, there's seeming peace, right? That's no way to prepare, that's no way to come to church, make things as stress-free as possible, so you can spend your time thinking, meditating, preparing your hearts to focus on Christ, right? And so, yeah, putting out the, the clothes. Good. What else? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Carolyn. That's good. Yeah, so you can spend uh, more time with God even after you leave here. On Sundays, you can continue to meditate, to think, to practice biblical Christianity, and a day it should be resting in the Lord, you know? So, yes, absolutely. Um, do your shopping on Saturday. Do it some other time in the week. Good. Go to bed early. Yeah, that's a good one, Isabel. That's a great one. Um, how many times have we stayed up late on a Saturday? We get up, and especially if, you're, if you go to the early service and you step inside the sanctuary and... Uh, Oh, man, it, the preaching's good, but you didn't get enough sleep. It's, it has nothing to do with Dan whatsoever. It's just that you did not get any sleep. And so you're struggling the whole time just to keep your eyes open because you don't want people to think that you're a bad Christian, right? You don't want people to think that you're snoozing during the sermon. You know, they would call you out on that. So what you're doing is trying to keep your eyes open to look like you're awake. You're not paying attention to what's being said. You're not, you're not engaging your mind on the sermon. You're just trying to keep your eyes open. It's not helpful. It's hard to listen. It's hard to engage our minds. Very good. Anything else? Yes, Sandy. So you have a listening heart and ears to hear. Make sure you wake up early. Good, good. And that, that requires going to bed early, too. And so um, what we tend to do is, okay, what's the longest I can sleep with just enough time to slip into my clothes and get in the car and get to church? on time. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. Give some time to thinking and praying about what you're going to be doing today and asking the Lord to make your heart fertile soil for the, the seed of the Word of God. Very good. Someone had, yes, Chris. Yeah, get a good breakfast. Yeah, because if you're in the, in the worship service and you're hungry and your stomach's growling, then you're going to be thinking about what you want to eat for lunch, and you're not going to be thinking about the sermon. So it's just another way of getting rid of those distractions is eat breakfast. Good call. And that's good for me, too. I was around the house without doing that. Yes. Joseph. That's great. That is a great one. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you, and you can find out, um, generally, if you were here the, the previous Sunday, you know what he's going to be preaching on the next week. So open up your Bible. Uh, what passage is he going to be preaching on? Read that text. Prepare your minds. You, you know what's coming. So it, you'll get more out of the worship service and the sermon because you're not going to be figuring out, okay, what's the context again? Uh, what, where's he going with this? Because you've already looked at the context. You've already looked at the passage of Scripture, and you're familiar with it. Very good. I like that. Excellent. Anything else you can think of? 
<laughs> true, true. You know, that is a good prayer, though. Lord, please uh, let my children be less of a distraction uh, and, and help, help the whole and we can help to do that on a Sunday morning as well. You know, if we are just anxious and stressed out and we're kind of snapping at our kids and stuff like that, uh, then it's going to be harder for them to transition into sitting down with us during the worship service. So that's good. Yeah, praying for your kids. Exactly. And and praying for them as they, they're in these Sunday school classes, as they're in children's church, praying that the Lord would imprint these things upon them as well, the things that they're learning. Very good. Um, Check this out. I want to take you to a psalm real quick. Let's turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Let's start in verse 33. Pray this. Here's a way to help us get the most out of a Sunday morning. Pray this for yourself and for your family. Listen to this, starting in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. I mean, time after time after time, he's asking the Lord to do something with his heart. He wants to walk in the ways of the Lord. He wants to believe his promises. He wants to understand. He wants to be taught the statutes of the Lord. That should be a prayer that we're praying for ourselves before a Sunday morning. So pray for that kind of uh, attentiveness and that kind of molding and shaping to be done in your life and in your heart. And pray for your pastor, right? Pray for your pastor to, to preach well and to preach clearly and to preach passionately, right? Pray for him to preach accurately, before and, you know, if if you um, if you ever have any complaints about the preaching, I ask to you: Are you praying for your preacher? Are you praying for your pastor? Do that the night before, and do it. You know, do it with your family. Say, hey, you know what? Before we go to bed, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna get together. We're gonna pray for Pastor Dan. Pray for his message tomorrow. Pray that uh, he would have a clear mind. That he would get lots of sleep. And the Lord would use him to touch hearts and lives and lead people to change for Jesus. Pray for your pastor. And teachers, absolutely, because uh, we have, I mean, right now, Sunday school is going on. So we have, let's see, four classes over here, and we've got three classes over here. Kids that are being taught the Word of God. And so we got a lot of teachers, and we got uh, adult Sunday school teachers. And, uh, you know, we tend to not give as much thought to the, the teachers that are in uh, Sunday school classes for kids. Like, that's kind of, you know, church junior, you know. But, man, that's an important job to teach biblical principles accurately to kids. And it's, it's hard. You know, it's one thing to teach adults because, you know, you guys, uh, you're thinking clearly you can engage with me and stuff like that. But to help teach kids and bring down these, these doctrines onto a level where they can understand them, it's difficult. So pray for the teachers that are teaching children. That's good. Exactly. Um, you know, Spurgeon had a quote. Someone asked him one time, what's the secret to your success? 
Pastor Spurgeon, and he said this, my people pray for me. My people pray for me. It's a good word. Okay, so we've, we've uh, you guys were great. Uh, all the suggestions I had for a Saturday night, uh, you, you named them all, so good job. Uh, and, and, you know, it would be a good idea uh, on the way here to, you know, listen to some worship music in the car and prepare your hearts in that way, you know? Have everybody just listen to some praise and worship, some, some hymns. Maybe you've got a, a CD you can listen to that's going to help kind of cultivate your hearts and get them ready for the word, you know, and pray together in the car. There's always this light we stop at, my, me and my family, uh, when we're driving to church uh, on. Now, I, I don't go to church with my family on Sunday mornings because I have to be here real early for a meeting. But when we come back here for uh, Awana and student ministries, there's always this light we stop at before we get to the church. We stop there at that light and we, we pray together as a family and focus our hearts on what we're about to do in terms of serving and listening to the Lord. So, okay, very good. So let's keep going on. Now, in terms of actually listening to a sermon, so num- number two, let me give you some practical applications for being an ex- expositional listener, being an expositional listener, right? Um, Pastor Dan is an expositional preacher. Uh, Tabidi Anyabwile, he's a guy who wrote this book, What is a Healthy Church Member? And he says that we should be expositional listeners. If Dan is ex- expositing the text, we should be listening um, for what he is doing in terms of expositing the text. What does it mean to exposit the text, first of all? What does it mean to do that? Explain the text. Very good. Anybody else? It means to draw out the truth from the text. You're drawing out the truth. You're not sticking your own opinions into the, into the truth or into the Word of God. You're not throwing your own agendas into the Word of God. You're drawing out the truth. And so that's what Pastor Dan seeks to do from week to week, draw out the meaning of the text. And so what you need to be doing then, I'll just quote this from uh, Tabidi's book, uh, is to take care in listening for the meaning of a passage of Scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our personal and corporate lives as Christians. I'll read that again. Take care in listening for the meaning of a passage of Scripture and accepting that meaning as the main idea to be grasped for our personal and corporate lives as Christians. Listening is an act of worship. It is an act of worship. Dan is worshiping as he preaches. As we listen, we are worshiping. As we listen for the main point, as we listen actively and engage, we are to be worshiping. Yes, Lee. Uh, it's uh, how, uh, so what is a healthy church member? What is a healthy church member? So what? Uh, it's uh, Tabidi Anyabwile. I'll just write down, you, you want to come get that afterward? Yeah, why don't you come and I'll write it down for you. He's, he's got a great story, actually. He used to be on staff with Mark Dever at his church, and now he's got his own, um, he's pastoring First Baptist Church Grand Cayman, so he's suffering for Jesus out there in Grand Cayman, you know. But he's, he's a good brother. Um, Okay, so be an expositional listener. Now look with, look with me at Luke 8.18. 8, Okay, uh, someone read 16 through 18, actually. Let's, uh, someone read Luke 8, 16 through 18. Who will do that? Jimmy? Thanks, sir. 
Here's a principle for us. A principle to take care in how we listen. Right? Taking care in how we listen. How we hear. Okay? It's one thing to hear someone just speaking. And you hear God and Jesus Christ and grace kind of thrown out there. So you know you're in church. Right? But it's another thing to comprehend and grasp what is being said. And to truly discipline yourself in listening. We, we check out too often when we're in church. Right? We, do, we don't engage our minds. We, we expect a lot of times, in, especially in the American church, for the pastor to spoon-feed spoon us, to spoon-feed us the Word of God, right? And so I just ask the question, do we expect that of waiters at restaurants? Right? You sit there, you order your food, and yes, the waiter brings the food to you and puts it in front of you, but then the waiter doesn't sit down next to you and take a spoon and start you know, putting mashed potatoes into your mouth, does he? That would be really weird. And what kind of tip do you give you know, to a guy like that? I don't know. But uh, we, we don't expect the waiter to do that. The waiter doesn't do that. But at the same time, uh, we, we do expect that a pastor would spoon feed us the word of God that he should be doing all the work. And we should just, you know, be able to listen very easily. We should, we should be able to kind of kick back and just do it all for me, preacher. Just do it all for me. No. He is a pastor. And yes, I understand he's a, he's a, a pastor and I'm a pastor. And we get paid by the church and the Lord provides through you. But the same, And so he works hard all week. He does. He, he pours over the text. He prays over the text. He studies the text. Um, and you guys don't get paid for listening. But you know what? As you listen... You're getting valuable truth. It is um, it, it, it's going to help you pursue and discipline yourself for godliness. And what does Paul say godliness is valuable for? Uh, what was that? Is it, uh, oh, you lean? What, what it, godliness is, uh, in first, I think it's 1 Timothy, whenever uh, Paul says that godliness is valuable for this life and the life to come. Right? It's valuable for all things, he says. So discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Well, you're getting truths. You're getting principles. As you listen carefully, they're going to help you do that and get that benefit in this life and the life to come. Godliness is valuable for all things, he says. And so um, what are you doing? Are, are, what are you doing to prepare? What are you doing to engage your mind to focus, right? To turn your eyes upon Jesus in the sermon. Um, here's... Something that uh, C.J. Mahaney, who uh, was the pastor of Covenant Life Church in Maryland for 27 years, he said, I will be held accountable for what I heard, even if it did not move me emotionally. That's, I think that's profound when we're talking about listening to pastors as they preach, right? I will be held accountable for what I heard, even if it did not move me emotionally. Don't just expect that you're going to have a stirring and you... when. You just wait until you have that stirring, and then you can act on that truth, right? No, we need to act on God's truth always. It doesn't matter if you have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside or not. We are held accountable for that truth. And Jesus says we're going to be held accountable for every careless word that we speak. And so I say as we're listening, a couple of things. Don't just listen for good one-liners, Right? Good one-liners. I call them the amen statements, right? You know, something that sounds really spiritual so that you, you, you want to say amen. Uh, I mean, I encourage amens. I think amens are great. But don't just listen for the one-liner 
amen statements and just practical tips or moving stories. Don't just listen for those things. Listen for what God is saying. The point of the text. What is God saying to us? So be an expositional listener. And bring your Bibles. I, I know uh, probably most people here at Calvary Bible Church bring their Bibles. But bring your Bibles because here's, the, here's what you don't want to have happen. You don't want to you know, be like 20 minutes into the sermon thinking, okay, um, uh, trying to navigate through the passage or figure out what he's trying to say because really, yeah, he, he may have read the passage, but you don't know what he's referring to unless you've got your Bible in front of you. And so it helps you to navigate and follow along with what he is preaching if you have your Bible in front of you. Um, so have your copy of the scriptures there. And it's good to take notes, too. Now, I'm not saying it's uh, like a law. You're going to find the Bible to take notes. Okay, you're not going to find that law in the Bible. But it may help you to take notes, right? To take notes so you can listen and you can be attentive. And here's the, here's the thing. Don't, don't think that if you're going to take notes that you're going to be taking notes for some kind of comprehensive midterm exam or something like that, right? Don't, don't take notes like you're taking notes for it like you would in college or seminary or something like that, what you should be doing is thinking of your notes as memory joggers, okay? Things you can write down, words or phrases or, or sentences that will jog your memory as to what the point of the text is, not notes like you're studying for a comprehensive exam, okay? So that all takes place in listening. Any other suggestions? For listening to a sermon. What do you think? Anything you can think of? Yes, Jimmy. I think that's wonderful counsel. Yeah, using family worship as a time to be still and uh, to focus and to listen and and sing and let's let's devote this time to the Lord directly. I think that's wonderful counsel. I think that you know um, they our children need to know there there is a time for yes going outside and playing. There's a time for us when we eat. There's a time for us to sit still, to listen, to to sing to Jesus, to listen for Jesus, and to, to you know, live out those principles for Jesus. There, there's a time to be still. There's a time to worship. There's a time we give directly in terms of worship to Jesus. And there's times to, yes, we, we do play for Jesus and we should work for Jesus. But, yeah, those times are set apart. Very good. I think that's excellent. Who had their hands raised in the back? Yes, Lynn? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it may be that you're, you're going to miss something if you kind of derail and say, oh, you know, I wanted to look that verse up or I want to know more about that. And so you kind of open up your Bible and you're flipping around doing that during the worship service. But uh, if you wrote that down to go and study later after church, you know, sometime later in the afternoon or during the week, that's helpful so you can get the maximum benefit from the sermon. I, I like that. That's helpful. Yeah, so, so writing down memory joggers so that you, if you want to go study something further, you can, but you're not going to miss anything from the sermon. Very good. I thought I saw a hand raised. Let me back. No? Yeah. Oh, yes, Mike. Maintain eye contact. Why do you think that's important, Mike? Right. You know, that's that's helpful too. Um, it just has a guy who's who's preached here at this this church. Uh, I think it's I love preaching to you guys and whenever I get the opportunity. But you know, uh, giving affirmation to the preacher. You know, it's like if, if there's something that you agreed with or something you thought was uh, helpful, you know, shake your head, smile, you know, say amen. I mean, it doesn't mean, I don't think you have to do it all the time, but it's, it's helpful to the preacher because, you know, it, it helps to encourage him. You don't even have to say anything to him, but you can encourage him during the message. Okay, and so I thought I saw some of my students back there just going like this, you know, all of a sudden in the back. Was that you guys? Oh, I appreciate that. Don't hurt your necks. So. But that, that, making eye contact, though, it does kind of help you to discipline yourself to listen, that there is something about making eye contact. I think you're right. Very good. Anything else for listening? Yes, Chris. Yeah. I mean, we can be distracted by each other, you know? I mean, um, we can just look at other people. Well, that person's sneezing a lot, you know? Or what is that he's wearing? Uh, you know, ki- you know, kind of thing. Uh, I wasn't looking at anybody in particular, by the way, when I was saying that. I was looking at the wall. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we we can we do those things. Tell me you don't, okay? But if you help yourself to just focus your eyes on the preacher, then you help to guard yourself from distraction. So, very good. I think it's uh, helpful. All right, uh, let's uh, let's go on to what what do we do after this? The sermon's over. What do we do after the sermon's over? We stoke the fire, right? That's what we do. After the sermon's over, number three, we stoke the fire. Um, the end of the sermon is the beginning of your opportunity for application, right? At the end of the sermon is the beginning of your opportunity for application. Now, um, we, uh, we tend to think when we get done listening to a sermon, all right, I can do what I really want to do now. You know, now it's time for me, let's go eat lunch, or you know, I can go and kind of chill out while I'm watching the kids you know, play on the playground or something like that. Let me get, I've done my service, let me do what I really want to do now. Uh, uh, Peter, uh, during family worship a lot of times, especially you know, when he was a little bit younger when we started doing family worship, we would uh, we'd sing songs at the beginning, and then after we sang songs to get our hearts ready for listening to the, the Bible stories, we would pray. And so as I'm praying before we get into the Bible, uh, I'd, I'd pray a little prayer for just a few seconds, and I'd say amen, and he'd go, all right, and he'd jump down off the, off the couch and start running to his room, you know, like he thought it was all over. And I, they always pray at the end, so, you know, we must be done. And uh, he kind of jumped the gun. He was going to do what he really wanted to do. But um, this is the beginning. After the sermon's over, don't jump the gun. Don't just go 
run off to do what you really want to do at home or at lunch or whatever, uh, it's time for you to start applying, all right? And so uh, here's some things you can do to help stoke the fire. Let's turn to uh, Philippians uh, 2.2. What does Paul say here? How are we going to, how does he say that they can complete his joy? Someone read that, please. Good. One way we can achieve unity in this body is by discussing what we're being taught. What, what, is, what is coming out of the preacher's mouth? What is the doctrine that's being expounded? If we talk to each other about these things, it helps to build unity so that we have the same mind, so we're intent on the same purpose, right? So after we're done with the, uh, the sermon, go find somebody to talk to about the sermon. You know, if you go out to lunch with uh, some of your friends from church, talk about the sermon, purpose to do that. If you're out at the playground with your kids afterward, purpose to talk about the sermon, something that you thought... It was impacting, something you thought that was important or that you were convicted by. Just seek to talk about these things so that we can not only, um, I I remember C.S. Lewis said, joy is not complete until it's expressed, right? So we can express it and we have joy in telling others about it, but you can help to edify them and build them up, and you're fellowshipping over the sermon together, enjoying God together as a body of believers. So seek people out to talk to about the sermon. Um. Okay, so what about James 1? What does it say we should do in terms of the word and when we hear it? What should we do? James 1, 22 through 25. Someone read that, please. James 1, 22 through 25. Thanks, Matt. So it's not enough just to take care how you listen, like Jesus said. You need to do what you hear. We need to be hearers and doers. And so this is an opportunity for you to go home and start applying the word of God that you heard. Do what the word says. And here's you can just purpose to write down two or three things from the sermon that you need to work on or change. Just start doing that in terms of your note-taking. Two or three things that you need to work on or start changing and work on those during the week. Keep it on a 3 by 5 card. Put it in your car, on the dashboard, you know, somewhere where you're going to see it, on the mirror. Purpose to apply, okay? Because if we don't make a plan, if we don't write down reminders, we're not going to do it, right? And we're going to forget the things that we were so convicted or moved by in the sermon if we don't purpose to act upon them, okay? So be hearers and doers. And let me remind you here of what verse 25 says, okay? This wonderful promise, okay? So the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You hear the word, you do it, you're going to be blessed by God. And so that is incentive for us to serve him faithfully by applying what we hear. 
Very good. Um, and here's something I kind of already alluded to, but resolve to address any questions you may have about the text uh, through asking the leadership of the church or through personal study. Maybe there's a question. Maybe there's something you didn't understand. Go find Pastor Dan. Ask another elder. You know, uh, there's something you didn't get or you want to study more, you want to know more about, then purpose to ask the leadership or, or do some personal study during the week. You know, resolve those questions that you have. Don't just let them go unanswered, all right? Th- those are ways that you can uh, stoke the fire after the sermon is over. What else? Any other things that you do, maybe, perhaps, to help stoke the fire of the sermon that you heard on a Sunday morning? Anything? Okay. All right. Um, let's go to a couple other things that happened during, during the time of the worship service, we've, we've got elders that come up and pray, right? Usually have uh, at least two times of pastoral prayer during our worship service. So what are you doing during those times? Uh, Wayne Mack in his book, uh, Life in the Father's House, we're going through it in men's ministry right now. He says, if someone is praying from the pulpit, you ought to be praying in your heart along with him. You ought to be praying along with him, you know, agreeing um, with the things he's praying and asking those things of the Lord in your heart as well. But a lot of times what we do, and I was very convicted by this when I read it in his book, many times we just check out, right? We, we close our eyes, and, you know, sometimes we kind of get a little nap in there, and other times we're, we're just thinking about what we need to do, you know, letting our mind drift. We, we take that as a time not to focus our minds, but to let them wander. And we should be praying. Um, he's not just praying to entertain us, or he's not just praying like uh, over us like we, we don't participate in that. We should be participating in it by praying in our hearts. He prays out loud. Let's pray in our hearts as he's doing so. And um, also, what about when we're singing? What about when we sing our praises to the Lord? We're, uh, that is a command we're given in Scripture. We see it in the Psalms all the time, right? Uh, are you thinking about what you're singing. I mean, you hear Dan say that when he leads worship and Charlie when he leads worship. Think about what you're singing. That is so important because here's the reality of it. Wayne Mack says this in his book too. You cannot worship if you're not thinking about what you're singing. You can't do it. You have to be thinking about the lyrics, the content, the doctrine that's in there, the truth that's in there. You can't worship unless you're thinking about what you're singing, right? Don't think just the act of singing is worship in and of itself. No. We worship in spirit and in truth, right? Spirit and truth. And so make sure that you're engaging your mind when you're singing because you can't worship without thinking on those things. Okay, Sunday morning. What about fellowship? Right? We gather together, and I know uh, things are busy. You know, we're kind of getting our kids dropped off, and we're kind of moving. Things are real fast. We're on a schedule here at Calvary Bible Church, but we should take some opportunities to be fellowshipping. What is fellowship? I've said it before, I think a good um, small definition of fellowship is to enjoy God together, okay? To enjoy God together with the body of believers that God has placed you in, okay? So what are you doing? What are you doing to enjoy God with the other believers here at Calvary Bible Church? Let me, um, let me suggest some questions that I came up with that can help initiate fellowship, to help stimulate fellowship, okay? Just, just simple questions. Because here's, here's what I, uh, I think is so hard for us at times, and I'm convicted by as well, that uh, we get together and 
we, we listen to the sermon, we listen to teaching, we, we, we pray, we do everything that a worship service involves, but when it's over, we find it more or easier to talk about things that happen in the week, you know, um, maybe the game, the weather, things that are of less consequence. We find it real easy to talk about those things and not very natural to talk about God. It's, it's not as natural for us to talk about the things of God as it should be. I mean, God is our most important relationship. Our relationship with him is the most important relationship of life, okay? We should be talking about him more naturally instead of it being awkward like, I guess I have to do this, so I'll ask you, how many times did you get into the Word this week? Huh? You know, kind of like, I hope you say you got into the Word because if you said and get into the Word, then it's going to be really awkward for the both of us. You know, we, we find it so awkward to talk about the Lord together, but it's, He is the most important one in our lives. So it needs to be more natural. Let's ask these questions. Number one, uh, looking back over your week, what are you thankful to God for? Something like that. Make it open-ended, right? Looking back over your week, what are you thankful to God for? And so, I mean, that can open up a really long conversation about what God is doing in your life, right? Looking back over your week, what are you thankful to God for? How about this one, number two? What did God challenge you with this week? What did God challenge you with this week? And how did you respond? What did he challenge you with, and how did you respond to that challenge? You know, it might sound like, oh, that'll be really hard to ask. We, it's hard to ask because we don't do it. Number three, did you change something in your life this week as a result of last week's sermon or as a result of what you studied in God's Word? Did you change something in your life this week, make a, a choice to do something different because of um, last week's sermon or something you studied in the Word this week, right? And that's, that's hitting at the whole James 125 thing. Did you hear the Word and did you do it? Now it's, it's really a, kind of an accountability question, question, but at the same time, you're, you're seeking to enjoy God with this person and you're asking the question of them. How about this one? I've been wrestling with this issue fill in the blank. Do you know any verses that can shed some light on it? Just, we don't invite instruction enough, do we? I, I mean, I know I don't do it as much as I should. Inviting correction, inviting instruction, inviting counsel into my life, not just waiting for people to bring it to me, but asking for it so we can get more wisdom, right? Hey, I, I'm kind of struggling with this doctrinal issue or this, you know, this practical issue at home, and we're kind of dealing with this. Is there any verses or any counsel you can give me on this? It doesn't have to be a pastor you ask that of. I mean, we are Christians, right? We study the Word. God is, he, he has uh, given us His Spirit. He has saved us by Jesus' blood, so we should be helping each other in those regards. What about something so simple as, how has God been growing you lately? How has God been growing you lately, right? Um, because uh, if, you were in, um, if you were in student ministries with me two weeks ago, we talked about how discipleship um, necessitates growth. If you're a disciple of Christ, you must be growing, right? doesn't mean you have to be growing as fast as everybody is, but you, you must be growing. To be a disciple is to grow, right? So how has God been growing you lately? In what areas? What kind of attributes or characteristics is he helping to shape and form in you, right? 
How has he been growing you? What about this? Um, how do you see God working in your family? You know? People love to talk about their families, right? They love to uh, talk about how God is, is helping to, to uh, grow their kids or teaching them things. And so ask that question, right? What is God doing in your family? Or what about, we, we talk about this one all the time. What are you reading in the Bible and how is it impacting you? Right, the Word of God. What are you reading in the Bible right now and how is it impacting you? Now, you say, if I ask those questions, you know, people are going to think that, like, I'm a holier-than-thou Bible thumper, kind of Pharisee, kind of I'm, I think I'm better than you kind of person, okay? If they think that when you ask those questions, that's not your problem, okay? Th- that there's something that they need to work out in their hearts, okay? You're being obedient. You're pursuing fellowship, okay? Uh, now, make sure that when you ask those questions, you're not asking just so you can feel better about yourself. If I ask this person, I know this person hasn't been getting to the Word as much as me. So if I ask them this question and they tell me they haven't been in the Word like two times this week, that's going to make me feel really good. You know? uh, don't do it with that kind of heart. That's divisive. But if you're asking that question of your heart and you think that people may think that of you, that, that's something they need to deal with in their hearts. You do what you need to do to be faithful. Okay, so um, asking these questions, and, and what, what if the answer is no to these things? Or, or, you know what, I haven't really thought about that, or I don't really have an answer right now. What if that's the answer to these questions? Well, good. Then you're helping them to think about these things. If they're not thinking about them and you've put that thought in their heads, hopefully they'll be thinking this coming week about those questions and be doing something about it, right? You're helping them to think more biblically by asking these questions. And so you're helping to edify them and build them up with the questions, even if they don't have an answer that is, uh, you know, what you expected, or m- maybe it's not a, a profound truth or something. But you're helping them to think biblically. So we should be asking these kinds of questions to to stimulate fellowship. A- anything else you can think of to ask? A- any other ways to initiate and, and stimulate fellowship? What do you think? Yes, Miss Diane. That's really good. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that, that Dan uh, reminds us of that. Yeah, asking, how can I pray for you? And then, you know, a, a lot of times what they'll ask, how can I pray for you? And you can pray for each other right there. And, and you're right, it, uh, it really lays the groundwork for a follow-up. You know, next week, hey, um, did the Lord answer that prayer? Or how's that going? So that's good. I love that as well. Anything else? Well, good. Uh, yes, Mr. Roy. Mm. Believe on what you've prayed. That's good. Pray in faith, right? Pray in faith. A- exactly. I mean, and, and you're believing because God has said, I will answer. I will answer your prayers. If you pray in my will, I will answer. And so believe in him. Very good. I like that. Yes. That's helpful. All right, we are out of time, so uh, 
Let me ask if, uh, Jimmy, you'll close us in prayer, and then we will uh, be dismissed.